Okay. Too much horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lohr. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 54. 54. What the fuck? Am I Irish? <laughs> 54, 54. Of horror business. Of horror oh my business. God, this, is, this is going great already. Today is an amazing episode. That's a great fucking episode. Yes. This is going to be good. But trust me. <laughs> we are joined by the one and only, the one true God. <laughs> We are joined by Mr. Al White today. How are you doing today, I Al? Mean, there's literally nothing I can now say to that, so thanks for that coming across <laughs> like a fucking arsehole. So, so thanks for setting me up. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. You know, it's uh, Super Bowl Sunday here in America. I have no investment in either team, so I don't give a shit, but a lot of people do. As opposed to most football games that you're highly invested in? Uh, I've been saying for a good week now that 2019 is the year I become a Minnesota Vikings fan. So we're doing it this year. These are these are American football things, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Just yes, yes. 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 Just checking it. Uh, so we are joined uh, today by Al. We are going to be talking about two films that were directed by women because it's Women in Horror Month, and we here at Horror Business are allies. I'm patting myself on the back. We wanted to talk about some films that had a female perspective, for better or for worse, in the case of Sorority House Massacre, 1986 Stop. film. Stop, worse. man. So, yeah, spoilers. So we're talking about 1986's Sorority House Massacre, and then 2001's Vincent Gallo vehicle, <laughs> Trouble Every Day. Um, so Al, tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about Al. Are we, am I in therapy? Right now, because I'm happy to <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. open up yeah, all my wounds. Yeah, this is this is a we're, this is a pleasant safe space. This is the I couch. Don't believe that. Whenever couch whenever anyone the... says it's a safe space, don't believe them. Just leave the room. Um, <laughs> I I'm I'm I am me. Um, I made a film called Starfish. I do a podcast called Weird Geeks. Um, do you want to know more horror stuff? What do you want to know? Uh, yeah, give us uh give us your background in horror. I guess you could sure. say. Um, so yeah, I wanted to make films from literally since I could talk, but I was a very pretentious little child. Uh, like when I was 11, my favorite film was Dead Poet Society and Dances with Wolves and stuff like that. Um, and I wasn't allowed to watch horror or films with drugs in them until I was about 16 uh, when I saw at school, uh, stayed up late at night and watched with a friend, Night of the Living Dead. And yeah, like it just, it, if it, completely changed how I saw films and it completely made me realize this is a genre where you can break all the rules where you don't know what the ending's going to be and it just got me so excited um that then I just went out I literally I lived on my own when I was 17 and we used to have a VHS store down the road and I'd walk down there every few days buy an entire franchise on VHS just come back and chain watch the entire like franchise pretty much over 24 hours or whatever you could do it in um so yeah sort of became swamped in particularly slasher lore very very quickly um, yeah, which I still do. I go back to a lot of slasher films. I can appreciate that as as someone who, uh, you know, any like a you know we talk, anyone who has spoken to me with me for any length of any time uh, in the past three months, uh, even even on this podcast, we talked about. Al directed, wrote and directed a little movie called Starfish, which 
um, impacted both Liam and I greatly. I love this movie. And one of the things I'd wrote, written about in my review is that how you had just said how you could break all the rules and you don't know how it's going to end. And that's definitely a way I felt about that movie. Like watching, I could tell it's like, I don't know where this is going. And it doesn't, I don't think it has a happy ending. I'm not sure. Uh, but I could see that in your work, that approach. And I appreciate that. Maybe to his detriment, but yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I definitely, I don't <laughs> like, I really, and yeah, Starfish is, you know, it's a very weird fucked up example of it. So I'm in no way pretending that's something I'll do again to that extremity. But I don't like films that have endings. It pisses me off. You know, it's like, I'm a big comic book guy, but I hate the ending of almost every comic book film other than Infinity War, where the ending's fantastic. Um, <laughs> yes, it's a per- literally the, the best ending in any comic yeah. book movie. I want ever. the MCU to just end now. <laughs> <laughs> you do seem rather interested in apocalypses. What, what do you think that's about? What's up? What's up with your uh, interest in the end of the world, my man? Well, my real therapist will tell you um, <laughs> that it's completely healthy to <laughs> not just want to get rid of everybody around you. Um, I I don't know. I actually I think. I think it goes back to when I was a kid. I was an only child growing up, which means you're either an egocentric arsehole or you're very introspective and sort of broken. And I think I'm a bit of both, probably, sadly. Um, And (laughs) there was a... Do you you know the comic, like the old The Eagle comic from like the 1960s or 50s? um, With Dan Dan Dare was in it and stuff. Um, They did a new version of it in the 80s called The New Eagle. And there was a comic in there. I think it was just called Survivor. And it was just about this girl... Uh, in the end of the world, sort of walking around the world, meeting the few clusters left of people. And it was so intoxicatingly romantic to me. Like, I just loved it. And I'm genuinely like, I'm not kidding. I know some people like, oh, I wish the zombie apocalypse would happen and blah, blah, blah. Honest to God, I have had to learn to get over it in my life that it's never going to happen. And the happiest I could possibly be is if, yeah, most of the people in the world just went away. And I could just wander around the world. Um, and that's not going to happen. So I've had to like deal with that, that my happy place is in my head only. So that's why I make movies. Because you get to you know, force your happy place so on other people. You're one of those people watching 20 Days Later for the first time. In the beginning when Cillian uh, Murphy's like walking around London. You're like, huh, this is a... Well, those fuckers run. So no, they can fuck off. But okay. like Romero's on this. Yeah. I got you. I got you. I you know how they did that opening yeah. for 28 Days Later? It's It's great. Like they... No. They showed all that. So you come out super early, you know, summertime in London. I did it for my first short film, actually. Like, you can come out, get little grabs of footage in the center with no one around. But then they just, and I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing. This is just a factual thing. Uh, they got attractive ladies to stand on the corners of different intersections and just try and stop the cars going to work for like an extra 20 seconds, essentially, so that they could get a little bit more footage of London just empty and barren. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's fucking brilliant (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty funny actually so okay so um thank you for being on the show and uh i think we've made it pretty clear but in case people don't know we were just blown away by starfish and so um we are i don't know very honored and very grateful to have you on the show we're not gonna spend a a lot of time talking about starfish i think a we've 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 done that B, you've had to do that a lot. Uh, and, and C, we just rather have you on to talk about horror and all, and all that kind of stuff. I do want to quickly just say, though, um, as far as I know, you know, Starfish is going to have a theatrical run in the States, right? Like, people are going to get a chance to see this thing. Um, is that true? Yes. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, so, like, mid-March through to some point in April, I'll be traveling with it from east of, uh, yeah, from New York 
uh, over to LA. Um, and if you go to starfishmixtape.com, then there'll be a list of, yeah, all the cinemas near you where you can go and see it, which, yeah, I'll be at, I'll be at, at least 75% of them, I think. Awesome. So none of those details are confirmed yet, but um, hopefully uh, you can, if you are interested in seeing it, get on the internet, find out. And as soon as we know about some around here, we're going to be hyping those up. We'll be pushing those. Uh, and we're excited to uh, help promote this thing because we, we really loved it. And, you know, we know just like some of the other movies we've gotten stoked on here and, and promoted that not all the movies that uh, we love get the attention we think they deserve. So we can't go to all the movies we'd like to go to. So sometimes there's probably something that out there that's awesome that we don't promote just because we didn't get to see it either. We are, but we, we are not gatekeepers of forbidden knowledge. We are the, we are the Lucifer's. Of horror movies, we want to bring you the knowledge. Like God is denying you these good movies, <laughs> and we are bringing them to you. I was gonna go more with like the guy who makes you the mixtape in high school, who's yeah. like, "Oh, you want to hear these bands, kid? Yeah. They're cool." That guy for me made me like Morbid Angel and Deicide. So my analogy yeah, it's stands. still Satan. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. No, yeah, I feel. I mean, for me, it was uh, it was more the business in Cox Bar. So <laughs> sorry, man. That's just my vibe. <laughs> So, uh, anyways, um, this episode, we've already talked about what we're going to cover, but it's brought to you by who, Justin? Who, who's first responsible of all, for this? First off, and most importantly, it's brought to, our, brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. Um, we are eternally grateful for anyone who listens to this and for whatever reason feels compelled to help us out financially. Um, we will do this show, we will do the Cinepunks podcast for free until we are at one with the dust that blows in the wind. Um, this will never be, you'll never have to pay for this, but there are costs of running a podcast. Uh, we don't have any, you know, we, we're, we're not going to get like HelloFresh to sponsor us because we're not fucking corporate sellouts. That if they would sponsor us, I would do it in a second. Are you kidding me? HelloFresh, are you out there? Send us some fucking free food and some money, man. Let's do this thing. I can't eat most of the shit, so I don't care. No, um, I'll eat it. So yes, if you've given us anything, we are so thankful. And I mean that I'm not a very... I'm not a very happy person, but I can tell you honestly that anytime anyone feels compelled to help us out a little bit, it fills my heart with this, the briefest spark of joy. So thank you. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by the premier screen printing company of the Lehigh Valley, which makes us corporate sellouts. That screen printing company... I mean, corporate. They're barely a company, let alone a <laughs> larger company. Chris Reject is a capitalist swine. He's, the sure. f he's a slave driver. <laughs> um, now... That's Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Liam, <laughs> if I came to you and yes. I said, hey, Liam, I have this idea in my Jesus mind <laughs> for a Ghost Rider fan club, but not like Johnny Blaze or Danny Ketch, because everyone knows that. I want a Robbie Rye's Ghost Rider fan club, but I want it to be Robbie Rye, like rye bread. And instead of Ghost Rider, he's called Toast Rider. Where would you send me to go? To, to bother them, to bother them about making this. Actually, I would send you to uh, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations because um, I love for them to suffer through ridiculous requests, <laughs> yes. much like yours. So, whatever dumb idea you have, I mean, if you have a great idea and a great podcast, a great band, you should also go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. But let's say you have, much like Justin just shared, an incredibly stupid, possibly offensively stupid idea. You should definitely go to Lehigh yeah. Valley Apparel Creations and make them print your idea on a t shirt. A sweatshirt, sweatpants, uh, uh, crotch covering. Yeah, codpiece. Codpiece. Thong. Dr. Seuss hat. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. <laughs> Make Chris Reject earn that high blood pressure medication. 
you know, I hadn't thought about a Dr. Seuss hat in years. And then you kept saying Dr. Seuss hat on this very podcast. And then the other day, I turned into the bathroom at the East End Public Market, and there was a guy in a motherfucking Dr. Seuss hat in the bathroom vaping, and I walked into his fucking vape cloud, and I blame you. Synchronicity. Synchroni- the universe is telling you something, I guess. <laughs> to, to die. To, to die. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if... For whatever reason, any of the gibberish that just came out of ma- came out of my mouth interests you. You can go to www.xlvacx.com. That's www.xlvacx.com. Please do not let those X's fool you. Chris Reject is so far from straight edge; it's almost causes me physical pain. <laughs> That's www.xlvacx.com. Now, this is the moment usually in the show where I would say to Liam, I'd say, "Hey, Liam." Have you done anything hard-related recently? But as Liam had made it so crystal goddamn clear before the show, he doesn't fucking watch horror movies anymore. Hey, hey, Because he's hey. too busy watching Oscar movies. Like, <laughs> I do love Oscar movies. Like, uh, Call Me By Your Name or whatever. Whatever movie. Or Moonlight. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> you love fi- both those movies. <laughs> I, know. Uh, w- w- I have something. I actually came up with something. But, so, yeah, but, so, but, but we but, should but, go to our guest. Yes, I was going to say, because Al's here, we're going to ask Al. Al. What have you done recently that's involving horror? Um, I've been watching. So here's the thing: is when because I'm I'm working on um, my next film at the moment, and I had a meeting with my DP, and he's like, "So what are you watching at the moment?" Because I get influenced quite easily when you're writing a script. It's very important to like surround yourself with the stuff you're trying to make. Um, but instead, I keep watching slasher films um, from the '80s. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I just I just discovered Student Bodies, which I really think. I don't know how. I like. Did you guys know about this film? Does everyone know about this? Just not me. Am I just out of it? I was well aware of this film. I'm yes. not a big slasher person, so I was unaware. Okay. Really? Had you not heard of this? I mean, I've I've never seen it. I the name I know, okay. but I've never okay. I've never seen it. We'll cover it. We'll okay. do it. Yeah, we'll do it. It's honestly like it's it's fifty percent of it's terrible, but fifty percent genuinely made me chuckle, and it's just very airplane style humor. But but from 1981, I think it was, which it's just crazy to me that from 1980, you know, when the slasher boom really kicked off, this this very astute parody came out um within sort of 12 month period which i think is kind of crazy um i watched the fun house for the first time which i thought was all right uh i'm sorry (laughs) i'm just not a fan but yes toby hooper's fifth fifth best movie yeah i mean i i don't know you just pulled that number out of your butt you don't even know what if you think it's fifth fifth Texas Chainsaw, Life Force, Texas Chainsaw 2, <laughs> not Poltergeist, <laughs> Invaders from Mars, Funhouse. Sixth, Salem's Lot. Mm. I would definitely put Salem's Lot above yeah. Funhouse. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not a big Toby Hooper fan, to be honest. Uh, I thought this was fine. I thought it was directed. I, I really liked the beginning, and then it just doesn't really go anywhere. And at the end, it's just a dude with some pretty cool prosthetics, but just going all the time. And I don't know. Uh, I watched Bloody Birthday. I didn't think that was as good as Happy Birthday to me. Um, and I watched Mother's Day actually, which I thought was fucking terrible. I really hated Mother's Day. I Mother's Day is, it's the beginning for me of the end of trauma. It's like why trauma is a joke. Mother's it starts Day, with Mother's Day and goes down from there. Was that like the weird rape revenge one? There's like a woman at the end. They're like, oh, there's like a woman named like Queenie who lives out in the woods. There's, it's like. It's basically like a family of, I think they're meant to be brothers who, yeah, keep like kidnapping girls and raping them. But okay. it's okay because it's a matriarchy. 
because and it's just oh okay it's, no it's fucking it's really just it's just horrible it's kind of like when i say to my friends i love horror films i think it's what they think i'm watching is films like Mother's fair Day, enough you know fair enough now did you watch a little movie called stage fright colon aquarius i mean oh yeah what the original stage fright with the owl head yeah yeah i haven't seen yeah. that again for a while but i saw that a long time ago Oh, I thought maybe as part of your slasher movie, because uh, I think that's a movie that I knew about for a long time, and then it came out on Blu-ray, and I was like, "Oh, I'll just give this a try," mm. and I think that movie's really good. I'm a big, I'm a big. Yeah, fan. I think it's pretty cool. And what year was that? Because yeah, so on, on the Wii, eighty-seven. Is it really? Fuck, eighty-eight, something like that. Okay, yeah, this is a problem. We did normally our series on the Weird Geek Show is like kind of orchestrated well. This one I've been making it up a bit on the fly, and we're doing yeah, eighty slasher films and their remakes. Which spoilers remakes of slasher films really fucking suck, um, but yeah, that's def- there's it, it definitely uh, it's sort of like a lightning in a bottle phenomenon. Like you can't really recapture. Yeah. There was a time and a place for sl- for good slasher films, and it's like it's just no soul. It's just plastic pretty people. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, it breaks my heart. Um, yeah, so oh fuck, I might need to put stage fright in. I've got one of my friends who's doing one of their podcasts with me. She's never watched any horror films. And she's having a horrible time watching Slash Me. It's, it's breaking. Huh? <laughs> I I have mixed feelings about podcasts where one person is along for the ride, like unwillingly. But sometimes they can be really great. I think yeah. in the case of horror films, as long as the person is willing to engage, it can be pretty great. And there's that. I don't know if you guys have listened to that podcast. That's the uh, the Hallmark Movies podcast. Have you oh my to god, no! They're doing like I don't know all of them. I don't know. They're doing a bunch of Hallmark Fuck. movies, and one of the guys is so not on board like he's not kind of not on board like oh we're watching it but it's funny he's like vi- like just this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me not on board and it's so good it's so fucking good just they uh no go i'm sorry no, I was just, say, just to be clear we haven't kidnapped this girl and forced her to watch <laughs> no like, sure like, sure everything sure. in life I mean, this... is a choice so my my right, sympathy right. for her is is isn't that big <laughs> <laughs> i i really miss the uh our friends in the the, the, the final girls podcast they used to do a, every few episodes they would do an episode called uh, making a monster where they would get one of their quote-unquote normie friends and they would watch like a classic horror movie like a person who had never seen a horror film before and they would be like watch this with us and let you let you know let us know what you, th- what you think and it would be like one of their co-workers or like one of their boyfriends friends or something like that and it was always not I don't want to like laugh at someone's like, what the fuck am I watching? But it was always like, because I'm so insulated with, like I don't have many friends who aren't tangentially into horror movies because obviously I fucking shout about them enough that they get into them. But it's sort of like how, you know, like if my mom started watching horror movies and she'd be like, so why are we watching this movie from beyond? <laughs> why is Barbara Cramp, why is Ken Foray stabbing a giant worm with his underwear? What, what, what happened to you? Like, it like the one episode they did where they watched an American War from London, and this girl was like, "I I don't know what why, why did you make me watch this?" And I'm like, "There needs to be more shit like that." See, I, I'm the opposite. Like my entire world is full of people who aren't into horror, who I then break and try to get them into horror. <laughs> and I like that. And until I did like the festival circuit with Starfish, me and guys like you, it was so nice to like yeah be surrounded with people who are way more into the deep cuts of horror than I am. And I've always, like, in my group, I'm the deep cut guy. So it's kind of been fun and a little, you know. Uh, See, you're the cool guy where it's like, <laughs> I don't know about Liam, because Liam's got, like, that sheen of coolness because he's, like, an yeah. academic. But I'm just like, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll talk to Justin around Halloween. But the rest of the year, they're like, eh, just keep your opinions to yourself. Like, <laughs> we don't, no one needs to know about that. I like that, A, you just referred to me as an academic, which is not 
True. But then B, that you suggested that having the sheen of academia made someone cool. You're a professional nerd when you're an academic. Yeah, that's cool these days. Haven't you, haven't you seen The Big Bang Theory? Oh, God. oh fuck. <laughs> hey, Al, you got anything else for us? Um, I know you guys don't cover games, but I just want to say I've just played all of the Resident Evil 2 um, oh sure sure game. sure i've heard good things about that actually it's really fucking good i played it actually i don't get the time to play many games these days and within 24 hours i suddenly realized i'd played the entire game which is like 10 or 11 hours long um and it's pretty much the perfect example of a remake in video games and i find it fascinating now that video games are remaking games you know <laughs> yeah didn't they didn't they they remade the first resident evil not too long ago didn't they, they sort of do or did they just remaster yeah it? i mean a bit of no they did sort of remake it but this is like a proper like you know this is there's no assets from the original use. They've restructured the storyline. Like it's a whole new game, but it's the best version of that. And in my opinion, it's kind of how movie remakes and reboots should be as well. In terms of you're getting all the flavors you love from the original and what your memory gave you, but then there's all these new ideas as well, which take it to a whole different level. And it's really cool. I could fuck with that. My one, my one coworker is like a huge video game nerd, and I I don't play video games at all. But I sort of like he is like passionate enough about it where I'm like. I could listen to him talk about it all day, and he was he was he was like, "Oh, you like horror movies? Well, they just did Resident Evil 2. and I was like, "Oh shit, uh, tell me more!" And I was just like, "This is fucking cool." Yeah, no, it really, really is. It's a high recommend. So the only thing I wanted to mention, I, like I said, like Justin uh, cruelly made fun of me. I haven't had time <laughs> to watch a lot of horror movies. I just haven't gotten to watch as many movies lately, while still also watching all the movies for all the different podcasts I'm on. So you know, whatever. But uh, I have actually been reading Grady Hendrick's book, uh, "We Sold Our Souls," which is. Uh, a really fun metal horror book uh, in which um, uh, a young woman is, uh, well, she's not young anymore, but she had been in a metal band and that fell apart. And one of the members of the band went on to great success. And she, uh, when his band that was successful gets back together, she decides to reconnect with all the members of her old band to sort of say like, Hey, what happened? And, Turns out something more nefarious and horrible is going on under the surface of her band breakup, and it's really good. It's actually part of it is set in the Lehigh Valley, which is funny, and uh, it's it's a fun book. It's it's uh, so far pretty upsetting, which I kind of like. So we sold our souls, Grady Hendrix. It's really good. He did that. He did Paperbacks from Hell, right? Yeah, he's 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 done other novels. He did a novel called Horror Store, mm. uh, and one called uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism. Um, but this is. Uh, I think better in, than those two, which no offense to Grady, I, I think Grady's great, but this one is really awesome. So check it out. Uh, we sold our souls, um, but that's the only horror-related related thing I've been able to do. What have I done recently? Let me get my phone up to look at all the notes I took about oh, this. Oh, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is um, the TV series The Passage. Uh, it's on Fox, based on the Justin Cronin series of books. Uh, if you guys remember a few years ago, unfortunately, there was that glut of everyone. There was like everyone is still obsessed with zombies, but there was that minute where everyone was like obsessed with like vampires, where they briefly left like teen fiction and they became like like the strain was huge and they were doing that. Um, it's based on a trilogy of books about the end of the world via vampires. Like imagine like I Am Legend, but a little more intimate and not as like fucking crushingly heartbreaking. Um, it's just a cool show because it's being like disguised as uh, Zach. Zach Morris is this. I'm not gonna look up the guy's real name, even though I have the Wikipedia entry in front of me. As like this FBI agent who's like trying to save the life of this little girl, and the government's out to get her, and there are somehow vampires involved. Um, 
But what I like about it is that they're taking like a very, very quiet, creeping approach to introducing the elements of horror into it. Um, shout out to the actress Brianna Howie, who plays a character named Shauna Babcock. We've interacted on Twitter. Uh, what up? You're never going to hear this, so I could say that. Um, but it's a great show. You should check it out. If you like... Um, if you like vampire apocalyptic stuff, they're not really getting to the apocalypse yet, but if you like stuff about spooky vampires with some nods to The Shining and a lot of really creepy dream imagery, uh, check the show out. It's definitely being marketed as more of like a, like a Blacklist-style, you know, high-tension government drama, but trust me, this shit is about to pop off where uh, people start dying violently and vampires start taking over the world and then shit gets real. So I watched that. Uh, also, there's Project Blue Book on the History Channel, which is based very loosely on the adventures, and I could say adventures, of J. Allen Hynek, who back in the 50s was a astrophysics professor who was enlisted by the U.S. government to find out if these flying saucers were real, if they were Soviet propaganda. Um, spoiler alert, they're real. They're fucking here. And uh, what I like about this movie is, or this TV series, that it's like they say in the beginning it's like loosely based on true events, and... They sort of take stuff that may or may not have happened, probably didn't happen, and they just mush it all together into like Indiana Jones style adventures where like J. Allen Hynek is no longer just like an astrophysics professor. And now he's like like a crusader for truth on the front lines fighting the men in black and the fucking Flatwoods monster. And I think like the Dover Demon is gonna show up and all this like crazy shit's going on and he crashes a plane. Just watch the show, it's great. Uh the main bad guy, who is like another corrupt government official, is played by He's that character actor who's in, like, everything. He was on Arrow. Um, he was in Band of Brothers. I can't, I can't think of the guy's name. You know him if you saw him. He's a very intense-looking guy. Uh, the other thing I watched was a YouTube documentary called Hellier that was about one of Al's favorite subjects, the Hopkinsville Goblins. Mm, I know it well. <laughs> yeah, you are a noted scholar. Noted, that's, what, that's, that's what we should have opened, opened up with. Uh, filmmaker, podcaster, Hopkinsville Goblins enthusiast. I don't like to talk about it though. But yeah. yeah, I know. I don't. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, it's a sore Who subject. Does yeah. too many people, and I'm being completely go go on go on YouTube. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just this. It's this documentary about this. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the Hopkinsville Goblins were. Just Google it. I didn't make it up. Trust me. Uh, but about these people who think this weird shit is going down in this small town in Kentucky. So this film crew goes there to investigate it, and of course they find out that it might have something to do with the caves around town. We got some crypto-terrestrial activity, Liam. Crypto-terrestrial. Crypto-terrestrials we're dealing with people. Um, it, the last episode I watched involved sage, like burning sage and tobacco to welcome the goblins. Oh, to welcome so, Oh, to keep them away. To welcome them, yeah. To say we're, we're not here to hurt you, even though the, I'd be more afraid of them. Don't you burn like, stage, sage to like get rid of ghosts in your house and stuff? I don't. I don't subscribe to witchcraft. Con contrary to popular belief, I'm not a sorcerer. What if what gets rid of ghosts attracts subterranean goblins? Accurate point. Okay. Th think Life about that. Life is about Hellier. balance. <laughs> we've officially we've officially tipped over into too much white people stuff for me. <laughs> yes, so if yes. We could keep it moving. That would be great. Okay. Um, I watched Insidious Four. Fuck that movie. Um, and then uh, just some things in like the horror world. Uh, Blumhouse who everyone knows, they bought the rights to the Universal Monsters. Lee Wanell is remaking... Did, so did they buy the right? That seems like a quite a quite a buy. Uh, I think at this point, Universal probably gave them the rights. <laughs> they <laughs> the mummy them. was... It was yeah, like Sony going please. to Marvel with Spidey. Yes, that's that's probably what it was, yeah. Um, but we're going to get an Invisible Man movie directed by Lee Wanell, 
which I uh, give it or I could take it or leave it. Unsane was cool. Unsane was great. I'm sorry, not Unsane. Uh, uh, upgrade. Uh, upgrade. Upgrade was great. First in Cities was good too. <coughs> I had to clear my throat there for a second. I just, it's fine. Uh, he was really good as the cargo flight guy in Aquaman. Oh, no, he wasn't. No, what? This is what I understand. Anyway, if so I after the doing there, let me just say, if I had a movie like Upgrade come out this year, I wouldn't take some bitch ass stupid role <laughs> in in a huge movie. Like, why? He wasn't. Why? Because James Wan, that's his boy. I don't care. Don't. I wouldn't do it. So anyway, it's just. An, I thought it was annoying and distracting. It's like, oh, there's the guy who did Upgrade. Cool. That's what the strat you do in that movie, not the fucking mess no, that the movie Ocean was. Master or well, Annabelle. Put it, yeah, thank you. Put it on the list of many distracting, terrible not things. Not Patrick Wilson movie. calling fucking Jason Momoa look, big bro. Look, you know for a fact that for me, because of who I am, the most distracting thing for me in that movie was Nicole Kidman having a freaking prom dress on at the end. Because I'm like, when did she have time to change out of the fish bones? <laughs> like, this whole apocalyptic battle is going on. She's like, okay, I need a room to change out of these fish bones and put my prom dress on. Again, that was what spot that, that is. Yes, what you know me. I, you know, we went to see it together. I said that to you in the theater. So anyway, I was distracted by the prom dress at the end. <laughs> so anyway, they're doing a Stan TV series, which they all do because the first one sucked horribly. Um, it was bad. We're getting a Zack Snyder zombie heist movie. It takes place in Las Vegas. That's fine. That could be interesting. Okay. That's fine. We're getting a Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark trailer, I think, today. I'm stoked. Yeah. Uh, Javier Botet in a movie directed by Andre Overdraw. I can't pronounce his Norwegian name. And it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, tomorrow is the theatrical premiere of Har Noir, the documentary on the history of Stuff. black horror. Well, no, no, no. Played in L.A. Played in L.A.? Okay. Already premiered in LA, but we're gotcha. doing the New East York Coast premiere. premiere. Yeah, yes. Liam and I will be that tomorrow. If you're there, you're not going to hear this before that. So <laughs> say whatever I want. Hopefully, if you were there, you said hi to yeah. us. Yeah. If you didn't, I don't blame you. Yeah. Fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um. And then uh, I don't know if last night I watched. I saw the thing at Frank Banco Alehouse. Little movie called The Thing. It's all right. Documentary. It's cool if you're into being terrified. I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's cool if you're into seeing terrible things happening to dogs and seeing Richard Masur get shot horribly and die sadly. And another, I still have another one of the greatest what? endings of all time. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I Absolutely. still I still have nightmares about the chest mouth. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah. the worst and bit for sure. Yeah. The head spider as well also fucks with me, but my personal uh Thomas Thomas Waits' death in that movie after the blood test. Yes. That's the thing that fucks with me the most. Because I that's oh. like that dude is like he gets shit on the entire movie by everybody and then he fucking dies horribly. Yeah. Um, if anyone's interested, which no one is, I published an Instagram story on a mnemonic device, how to tell Keith David and David Keith apart. So you could follow me at Repairman X Jack and flip up my stories and you could tell how to tell them apart. You're the Hint, worst. it's not skin color. <laughs> you're, you're the worst. I am. So that's all that we've been doing in Justin, horror. Justin, I have to interject, man. On your list of things you've been watching, I can uh, just notice that you haven't seen You Were Never Really Here Yet. Oh, God damn the it. The best film of 2018. Can I come on this show once a month just to harass you about that? I accept that as my punishment and my burden, yes. I mean, that's partly my fault because he's not going to watch it unless I make him watch it with me, and I just haven't had time. Is that how all films work? You have to make him watch something? Anything that's not a horror movie, yes. I that's not fucking true at all. Almost everything it, I have to make him it's, watch. It's, I mean, it's a horror movie of sorts. Like That's true, actually. Uh, it is. It is... Certainly horrifying, and moments of it will stick with me for quite a while. I was going to watch last night, in all, in all honesty, last night after seeing The Thing, I went home and was laying in bed, mortally afraid, 
and I was like, I could either watch You Were Never Really Here or Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, and I did, that's everyone's I did neither. at the end of a <laughs> Friday night out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it is. I mean, after you're being terrified of shape-shifting aliens from beyond, you're like, uh, what do I want to do? And then I chose the... I, I didn't do either of those things. I just laid in bed and was afraid more. <laughs> I particularly... So, but I will watch it. I movie. particularly want to bring it up just because, yeah, it is, like you say, it's... it's um, Women in Film Month, and Lynn Ramsey is my favorite female director in the world. So, tip it out. I didn't realize it was directed by a woman. Yeah, Lynn Ramsey. Oh, you. You, don't know, you don't know Lynn Ramsey? She did. We need to talk about oh. Kevin. Um, she did Morvan Keller, which is a film I showed at every actor I ever work with. And she did Ratcatcher. She's only done four films since the 90s. So, she's very, like, oh. meticulous. Is it is it pronounced Morvan Keller? I always say Morvan Collar. I think it's... Uh, I thought it was. Kevin. I have no idea. I'm not. I think so. I'm not saying that like I know more than you. I'm saying I never know how to pronounce it. But it is uh, one of those f- movies. This is actually one of those movies that I caught because of Netflix, where you just sort of add things to your. When Netflix first started, and I would just add movies to my queue that I thought looked interesting. Mm. So I was like, "Oh, this looks cool," and it just—it's an amazing movie. It just like rocked my world. Like, how did? How have I never heard of this? Oh my god! Whatever. It's unbelievable. It's really fucking good. All right, well, we should take our first break before we jump into the riveting and truly amazing... Not at all a ripoff of Halloween, 1986's Sorority House Massacre, directed by <laughs> Carol Frank, starring Angela O'Neill, Wendy Martell, Pamela Ross, and more. <laughs> we'll be right back. Sorority House Massacre. After a weekend with us, you're going to want to join this sorority. Maybe we are the haunted sorority house after all. One, two, three, pass your way. Am I crazy? God. It's him. That's him. That's the guy from my dream. What's the plan here, buddy? You gotta get the reason behind. Slash course in absolute terror. And we are back to talk about 1986's neo-noir psychological thriller drama, Sorority House Massacre. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Di- <laughs> yeah. Directed by Carol Frank, Sorority House Massacre is the story of college student Beth and her sorority sisters as they're stalked by an escaped psychopathic killer who shares a strange telepathic link with her. And if that sounds familiar... It should, because that's almost the plot to Halloween. And I like that IMD had to put the preface, a strange telepathic link, as if there are fucking normal telepathic links that everyday <laughs> people have. Yeah, I mean, I, I know every time you take a painful poop, I get a little thing in my brain. Yeah, you just, what was that? Oh, Laura's shitting right yeah. now. Uh, so, and that's a, that's this, a comforting 
<laughs> link that you have, not a not a strange. It one. is. It's 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 a, it's a very intimate thing. Yeah. Um. So Al, what did you think about this movie? <laughs> so all right. So yeah, I've I've just been watching uh, the House on Sorority Row, the Sorority Row remake, uh, Slumber Party Massacre. I watched Sorority House Massacre in the mess of that. And then I had to go back and watch it again because my brain just meshed all these movies together. I actually went and watched Sorority House Massacre 2 as well, which has nothing to do with this movie and actually has flashbacks to the Slumber Party Massacre instead and was shot over seven days in Roger Corman's house when he went on holiday without Jesus. telling him about it. <laughs> oh like it's, it's fucking That's, terrible. That- that alone sounds better than this movie. No, look, all right. I think I'm going to end up being slightly... So the first time I watched this, I actually liked it. Um, and then the second time I watched it, I was making notes ready to like write down the things I was enjoying about it. And I started getting angry. Um, <laughs> so just to be clear, this is a bad film. But it's... And I think it falls in something we were talking about earlier. But like it's, it's got a lot of... Like, it steals a lot from Halloween. It steals actually a lot from Nightmare on Elm Street, which came out, what, two years before sure. this? Yeah, yes. it, it does a lot, actually. Um, and so many other slasher films like and, and just thrillers and stuff. But it's... It's... It, it, oh, fucking... I don't know how to review it because it's like... The scares in it are just abysmal. Like, timing is completely off. Like, sound design for scares is non-existent. Uh, there's no, there's oddly like quite a long, like a massively long lead up before kills really start happening, but the, there's no real character that like you, most of her time, the lead character is mostly in dreams most of the time being connected to this guy. Um, but I like how fucking weird it is. <laughs> I like, like, there's a lot of weird surreal things happening. Like right here at the beginning, even like she's talking to these kids in a very Nightmare on Elm Street moment. And they've thought to shoot them all in slow motion, but then do VO over the top in regular speed. And it's just right. weird. Um, I don't know. It's like, I don't hate it. I really don't hate it. I definitely liked it a lot less the second time. But, um, and I don't like it as much as Slumber Party Massacre. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I didn't hate it. I kind of like it. I mean, okay. I will say that I think the things that you're alluding to, which is some of the there's like interesting nightmare imagery. They have this running theme of the knife coming through the mirror yep. at her if she sees him in the mirror. Yes. Um, there is this weird sort of childhood stuff going on there. I actually think all of those things work in the movie. Unfortunately, those are the only things that work for me in the movie. A, the killer himself could not be less interesting or engaging in any way whatsoever. He's not scary. There's nothing about him that's scary. There's no shots of him that are scary. It's both the actor, the way the actor is filmed, nothing about him is scary. And unfortunately, I think any personal dynamics between the group of friends we're meant to care about do not work in any way, shape, or form. So my problem then is that I've actually seen enough slashers where I don't care about the kids like i don't care about their friendship but i find the killer weird or creepy or engaging enough that that doesn't matter so i'm like yeah these these are not real characters but i got to see them get killed in fun ways i'm actually okay with that it's not it's not a horror movie that's going to stick with me but i but i but i enjoy that uh or in the other way you know if the if it's not that scary but i find the characters kind of fun and engaging that can be work on its own Unfortunately, for me personally, I really just think all of the inside of the movie comes in some of these weird, surreal moments. And so the reason that's unfortunate is because 
I don't think the movie is totally bad top to bottom. But it's a bummer because I wish there was more of those moments that were kind of weird and surreal because the things that aren't those moments don't pull me in at all. So it's like there's a seed there of something that could be kind of um, out there and creepy, but instead it tries to be this more traditional slasher movie and it can't it can't get that right. It can't get the slasher stuff right in any way, for me at least, that that works. I don't know. What did, Justin, what did you think? I think it starts out strong, and I think the movie is at its strongest when it's ripping off A Nightmare on Elm Street. Or, f- for whatever reason, a lot of the dream sequences reminded me of the dream sequence in Hellraiser, when Ashley Lawrence oh, sees okay. like the, yeah, yeah. The, the room uh, and the, the feathers and then the baby screaming over her. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the the really weird long shots of of that like this house when it was like when she's like seeing the house like when it's like at night and it's like abandoned or whatever that she's perceiving it as that and then like she would see the killer like in the mirror and like the knife in the mirror, a lot of that stuff really worked, and I think if the movie had leaned into that a little bit more, it could have been not a great movie but better than it was. But I think once it became clear what they were going for with the whole like it's her brother and. Like, once I realized what they were doing, like, once I realized that the murders had occurred in that house, having never seen this movie before, I was like, I know where this movie's going. I guarantee that guy is her brother. I guarantee she used to live in this. And I was, like, watching it, like, called it, not to be like, oh, well, I, you know, it's like the sixth sense. I knew Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Like, um, oh, my God. Did you know he was dead the whole oh time? Oh, my God. Oh, my uh, gosh. But with this movie, as I was watching it, any good thing that I was enjoying about it was sort of overwritten by the fact that I could see what they were going for from a mile away, even to the point of where it was like I almost could tell who was going to die first, which I guess isn't really important because, again, like I wasn't really invested in any of these characters for there to be much of an impact. But it's just like as soon as that guy was like, hey, let's go out to this teepee that we have for whatever reason erected in the front yard. It's like, well, they're going to die. The backyard, Justin, please. Come on. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um I, I, I didn't hate this movie because it takes a lot for me to be like, no, seriously, fuck this movie. Um, and I, I, like I've said a million times, I'll take a bad movie that's made in earnest over Sharknado or some shit like that. And I do think this movie was a bad movie made in earnest. I do think that there was some kind of vision that was there. And then they had like a very embryonic idea for something. And then they were like, well, we don't really know how to flesh it out. So let's just make the killer her brother. And they have a telepathic link. Um, well, yeah, that's the thing. So, though. so, like, the house in Sorority Row, I feel like the director of that isn't that interested in the horror elements. Whereas in this film, I think Carol Frank is. She's just not good at those elements. But everything else, I genuinely don't mind in this film. I mean, I agree with you completely. I fucking hate it when you see when you see the slasher villain's face. It really rarely works for me anyway. And this guy is certainly not intimidating in any way whatsoever. I mean, he, other than he can jump through second story windows, which <laughs> yeah. is terrifying. Um, it, it also. It, it suffers from, um, at least in like, I, I think we talked about this on the show, in, in the Slumber Party Massacre, part of the appeal for that was that the, the killer in that movie was so woefully average that it became terrifying. You're just seeing this like guy walking up with a power drill, and they would show him enough where you're like, okay, that's actually kind of unsettling, because like you never see in slasher movies someone go from point A to point B, but in this one, in Slumber Party Massacre, we're seeing this guy disposing of bodies, walking up to a house. All of that is terrifying, and it's because he's just a guy. In this one, he's just like, 
is that even the same actor that was there before? Like, is that you know what I mean? It was just it, it was just so bland. I, I I don't know. Like they, I I wasn't. Well, they, I think it's intentional that Summer Party Massacre intentionally shows you his vulnerabilities, his mess ups, because it makes him more real. That's so what I'm it's saying. almost like this is actually happening. This this movie, it felt to me, and granted, I don't know what the intention was, but it felt to me as if we're meant to be scared by this person, and yet, I mean, don't get me wrong. Part of me watching it kind of when we first see him, I think, yeah, that probably is what he would look like. Like, he does kind of look like an incel, which I assume they murder women. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, to that extent, sure. But, I mean, it's more, I'm saying, his presence as an actor isn't scary, and the way they film him isn't particularly scary. So, I don't know. You would have to do a lot of work to create the sort of fear and tension that you want in this kind of movie and it's it's just not there and if they had stuck to if they could have somehow if 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 carol frank in making this could have somehow stuck to the creepiness of those dream sequences and played that out more i think that just would have worked better as a film um instead of bringing us into this real world scenario where it's just the tension isn't there. I mean, let's also say we, we didn't do much of a synopsis, which is fine, but just to say, like, you know, the setup of this movie is so light. She's staying over at a sorority house. We got a guy in a mental hospital, which I don't know where they filmed this mental hospital, y'all, but this it's is the not... the shittiest mental hospital I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he since he apparently can jump out of windows, he could have jumped out of the window of his room at any yeah. moment. There's no bars or anything. The door is like the door you would have at, like, a camp. Like it's like a camp, it's like a camp cabin door. It's very light, is what yeah. I'm trying to get at here. And you know, one guy not quite paying attention, he's out of there. Yeah. And you know, in two turns, he like goes through one door, through another door, he's out. He literally walks out of there. <laughs> he literally, it'd be like like me leaving Liam's house. There's more security in Liam's house than there is at this fucking mental hospital. Like he literally, like doesn't he? It, it, I might be, I, I might have just like inserted this in there because it seems appropriate. He just jumps over the fence, right? Like it's like a running start and like fucking. No, he has to climb it. I, either way, he climbs the fence, but there's no, there's no dogs. Well, there's the, no robots. He slinks over it, like he, he does his very yes. sexy kind of like <laughs> jump over yeah. it. Yeah, and you know, and so then you know the. Uh, uh, She's with uh, these sorority sisters. They're in college. Um, other than their outfits, which are very charismatic, none of these students are bringing much to their. They're not. They're not differentiated. Now, granted, the way a lot of slasher movies would differentiate them is by playing into really sort of caricature stereotypes of of college students. Sure, I acknowledge that. No, I'd be but, the jock. You'd be the nerd. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Whatever. But the the point is, is they don't even do that. Literally, the only way to tell these women apart is their facial features and their outfits. We don't learn anything about See, them. There's nothing. No, no, just because you're going to make me stand up for this film, which is going to upset me. Um, go ahead. <laughs> but go no, ahead. I feel go like, ahead. so for me with a slasher film, you go, you know, three main components. One is the story, which most slasher films don't even bother with, which I at least yeah. appreciate this one's trying to do something interesting. Unfortunately, it, it, it does. It tries a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, like they give it away from the second she walks through the door. She has a flashback, which if like, it just gives it away anyway. But at least they're trying to something. Then you have the killer, which in this they fail with completely. One, because she can't really direct horror very well. And two, because the killer is just ridiculous. Um, and then you have the lead characters and it's like, 
yeah, normally a slasher film gets just one of these right. It can still be fun. If you get two right, you're doing very well. And then a rare film like Halloween or something, you know, is able to get all those pieces working together. Um, with this one, I again, one of the things I appreciated about it, and I don't want to say it's because it's a female writer and director, but was that these girls didn't feel like cartoon characters. Like going from this to Sorority House Massacre 2, which is literally like... <laughs> For instance, the names that the guy wanted to call that film, and he had never seen Sorority House Massacre 1. Uh, he wanted to call it Jim Wynorski's House of Babes and then Nighty Nightmares. Oh. And then Roger Coleman was like, no, let's put in, let's get it in Sorority House Massacre. But that's just like, you get 15 minutes of two girls just showering and you're panning up and down them and literally the sound design is doing squeaky noises while they're rubbing their breasts. Like, it's just insane. Oh. But I know who each of those fucking characters are because they're all cartoon characters. And again, I love bad slasher films. I'm happy watching cartoon characters. But one of the things I liked about this, again, I don't think it was succeeding completely. Some of these actors are not good. Um, but, well, most of them are not good. But I, I like that they seem more just like genuine people. Like they do seem, they are a little harder that to is, tell apart. That is but true. But I think that's why. It's because they seem just more like they're just girls at a sorority house. They're not being stupidly crazy. Um, but there are little sort of differences between them. I just wish they were given a little bit. And, and it, granted, part of this is that this movie's incredibly short. And I, I wonder if we had had more time with them, if maybe they could have, we could have gotten more from them. But as it stands, really our main character is the only one for me that stood out of, of, of the women. And with the dudes, they're a little bit different, but even then, there's, we just, there's nothing from them for me. So I, I don't know. I just would have liked a little bit more to engage with I, them. I, I will say, at least with the male characters, at least they gave us the service of giving them archetypes. There was the nerd. There was the jock. There was the nice guy. There was the guy who wants you know to go I mean? rafting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I assume he's a jock, right? Jock's yeah, yeah. He's so a jock. What's even the point of that? Like, she comes back to it later, like, no you could stay tonight. It's like, yeah, I want to go rafting. And then nothing <laughs> happens. Yeah. Why even bring it up? So weird. I don't, I don't know. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time. Like, we, we've definitely had some episodes where we spend a lot of time just shitting on a movie. But I think we only do that when it's upsetting. And I think for us, it was more just a little disappointing, especially because I think uh, at least Justin and a little bit me as well, we were so surprised by Slumber Party Massacre, how great it is. That movie blew me away. Uh, so then watching this, I kind of had my fingers crossed that we were going to have the same scenario. And it's not that. It's not the worst one you've ever seen. And, and it's very much a low-budget film that is doing what it can without a lot of money. So, you know, maybe if, if you are a, a, a devotee of slasher movies and you really, really need to see them all, this is whatever. But it's also not offensive. It wasn't like a... It wasn't like... I mean, after... Uh, for me, at least, after Inseminoid, I wanted to fight somebody. Stop you know, bringing so. up the oids on this show. Sorry. I'm going to fucking punch you every time you bring yeah. that movie up. Yeah. Uh, I will say one thing about this movie that I didn't realize, and this brings nothing to the conversation, but I do appreciate because there was one actor in this movie, I was like, that guy fucking looks familiar, and I couldn't place it, and it's been bothering me. Uh, he was the doctor in this movie, was the actor who was in uh, Chuck Russell's The Blob, who's just like... When he's, he's telling the, when the doctor's like, we have to act now because like, blah, 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 blah. You know, the United States could really use this weapon. And he's the guy who says, you don't understand if we don't act now. There may not be United <laughs> States to save. Just that like sallow faced, like 
grim guy Man. in the blob is also in this movie. So that's your bit of trivia, your hard business trivia. Man, the female therapist in this is the worst. She just she just sits in her armchair. Like at least Loomis gets up and fucking goes and scares kids from hedges. Like she just sits there <laughs> and is occasionally on the phone and it's like, yeah, he'll be going to this house. And then it takes her all night to realize, oh no, he wouldn't know if she's at that house. Maybe try the other house. Doesn't that's another thing I thought. It's like, are they is are they trying to make her like the Loomis of this movie? But then she like again, like you said, at least Donald Pleasant is out in the streets just shouting nonsense and fucking <laughs> wielding a gun. Yeah. And Let's be fair. It's not just her. The orderly and police officer, they know that this guy's escaped and they go, I guess we'll just wait for the doctor to call yeah. us back. They literally might as well have just like, I don't know. Yeah. You do it. <laughs> yeah. like, he's, he, maybe he's dangerous. Maybe he's not. I yeah. don't know. Whatever. He did murder the orderly, but it is what it is. Um, you know, I, I will say this is the one movie that Carol Frank made. You know, she was part of the crew on uh, Summer Party Massacre. She got to make this movie, and you know, it is it is a first film, and it's a first film with a with you know a lot of money money behind it. It could be worse. I mean, you know, as someone who's seen some truly terrible you know straight to VHS movies, it's not the worst thing ever. But um, I I did want a little bit more, especially because I I feel like those nightmare sequences had some promise. It's not Absolutely. like there was something there. I wish th there had been more of that, that weird surreal stuff and a little less of, uh, of, uh, you know, literally the most boring killer ever, which maybe that is scarier than an interesting killer. I don't know. Can I just say two more um, things that I like about it before? We yeah, please do. Please um, do. Yeah, one is like a scene later where Beth, who's our lead, like they're all like uh, her sort of prospective boyfriend, I think it is, is telling this spooky story. Um, and it's your typical, you know, slasher film telling a spooky story and then something's going to happen. And there's a bit where she gets freaked out by it and he actually stops and very genuinely says, oh, if, you, if you're actually scared, don't worry, I'll stop. Like, it was such a lovely little right, genuine right. moment that never happens in slasher films that I really appreciated. And... And just, and in all honesty, and I think this is 100% because it's a female director, uh, the contextual nudity in here when they have the crazy changing clothes scene, like where she manages to get in the staple that slasher films, you know, rely upon, but it does feel sure. far more, it doesn't feel as objectified as it normally is in a slasher film. So I feel it kind of like plays to both audiences. Well, yeah, I actually meant to say that it's kind of funny almost because it is on one hand both an unjustified narratively nude scene yep. and yet it is so entirely not leering in the way that those it are. It completely lacks the male gaze, which I really appreciate. I, I, yeah. I will give it credit which, for that. It's just kind of fun. It almost felt contract contractually obligatory. Yeah. Like, all right, here's a scene where they're naked Well, no, but no it reason. is. But that's the thing because like Slumber Party Massacre, which I love, like don't get me wrong, but Slumber Party Massacre, again, like directed by a woman, but then they had a male director come in to shoot more boobs for it, basically. Oh, yeah, and 100%. So you have these shots where like they're in in the shower and then it just literally pans down to her butt for no reason and then back up again as she finishes her sentence and there's none of that in this film which i do appreciate no the what that like you said that one scene it's done in a way that's like honestly kind of fun it's a fun scene yeah that like i don't imagine a lot of dudes are like man i can't wait to see them in all those outfits it's gonna be a, a lot of fun <laughs> you know like it's 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 not it's not the sort of thing that these movies sort of specialize in which is just let's really get what we can you know let's really leer at these ladies yeah. it doesn't feel like that at all and, and i did appreciate that and uh, again it's it's not the worst of this sort of movie i've seen ever from, no not even close so um let's take a quick break and come back for uh a movie that justin had never seen before and that uh i've been thinking about probably since the first time i saw it trouble every day we'll be right back 
Mr. and Mrs. Brown. <laughs> Welcome to Paris, Mrs. Brown. I hope you'll enjoy your stay. No, Dr. Simono doesn't work here anymore. Look into my eyes. I really need to find him. <gasps> Just uh, up and left. His wife is sick. Or is sick? He is very sick. the right word for it. And this trip if this trip if this trip Do you believe in loyalty, Mr. Brown? What about betrayal? And we are back to talk about 2001's French extreme Vincent Gallo fucking powerhouse. <laughs> Claire Denise? I don't know, actually. How do you say her last name? Is it, it's not, is it just Dennis or is it Denis? We'll I say Claire Denise. Denis. Okay. Yeah. Claire Denise. Trouble every day. Oh man, Al, so, when, when did you see this movie? When did you first see this movie? I mean, I saw this movie when it first came out um, because I was very much into Tinder Sticks, who did the score for it. I'd just seen Claire Denise uh, Beau Travay a couple of years before, and Vincent Gallo, Buffalo 66, um, for those who don't know, is my favorite film of all time, um, alongside Seven. So I was very, very passionately excited to see anything that he was. Starring. You are a child of the 90s. I am indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah i saw it when it came out um and i didn't remember much about it i remembered really liking it a lot uh, but it was one of those movies where when you guys said hey let's you know let's try this one and i was like yeah i love that movie uh then i worried i was come back to it and would hate it so before i rewatched it actually i started listening to reading reviews and listening to podcasts and i found it very fascinating this film is incredibly splintered like there are the people like like a slot magazine who give it four out four and think it's an absolute masterpiece and then there's a lot of people who just absolutely hate it. And then this sort of small amount in the middle. What's weird is I generally, on a personal level, I'm not a big Vincent Gallo fan. He, like, he is a person. I'm, he just, there's something about him that rubs me the wrong way. And this movie, I was like, fuck, I, I think I like Vincent Gallo now. Like, I, this is like, I mean, he's a creep in it. And it looks like he's either about to do heroin or just did. But... He's I, I I he he just his performance in this was so even when he's being like kind of an asshole was like shit I think I have to rethink my opinion on Vincent Gallo. So I just need to be clear because <laughs> yeah 
buff up. Like Vincent Gallo, I, I actually have two friends who have some, which I can't share these stories, sadly, which breaks my heart, but who know him personally and have very, very fascinating, interesting stories about him. He's 100% a very interesting, potentially seriously bipolar person. And you go to his website and he literally sells his sperm on there, but with lots of caveats <laughs> of like, if you're buying it and you're Jewish, then he's more likely to sell it to you because you're going to succeed in Hollywood. Um, and if oh you're God. of color to a certain degree, then he won't sell it to you. And he's more likely to, if you have blonde hair and blue eyes, like he's a, he, but it's very hard to know what to take him seriously with. That's what I'm saying is, is all that stuff done to be like, well, from the people, again, I'm not allowed to sadly share the stories, but from the people who I know, okay. who know him, he, yes, it is done to be perversely funny, but there's like, I think like most jokes that people tell, there's 50% truth to it, you know? Okay. Um, sure. And he is definitely a nightmare in real life. I feel. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I will defend Buffalo '66. I will defend this movie and his performance in it. Uh, from what I've seen of him as a human, he seems like a monster to me. I don't know him personally at all. I don't know any personal stories. I will say, as a person who's engaged with his public persona, I am not a fan of how he decides to present himself to the public. But. As far as an actor, you know, I haven't seen everything he's done. He's done a lot of short films. He started off back in the 80s doing short films, doing these art films. I didn't dove into any of that, so I can't speak to him. He it. was in a I, band with Basquiat, yeah, wasn't he? he? Was. Uh, yeah. yeah, and so all of those things seem really important. He seems really important to that early 80s New York art world, which was part of the hip-hop world, which I care very much about all of that. But as far as his actual art goes... I know Buffalo 66, Brown Bunny, and this movie. That's it. That's all and I know. His so. legendary feud with Roger Ebert, which is just, mwah, just fucking, mwah. like, I was talking about that at work the other day with a coworker of mine who loves Vincent Gallo, lo- like, loves Brown Bunny, loves Buffalo 66. And I was like, yeah, but uh, him getting dunked on by Roger Ebert was like, pretty much the greatest thing ever happened. He's like, I've never heard about that. I was like, just look it up. I'm not I'm not even going to try to ex- just look it up. And he was like, yeah, that's pretty vicious. And as we said, it's kind of fucked to wish cancer upon a guy who um, died of cancer. Oh, really? Oh, Jesus. <sighs> yeah, oh, this, you didn't know about this? No, yeah. I didn't know. Well, well, and what's funny is he, he, you know, Roger Ebert said very cruel things about Brown Bunny, but later on, even though Vincent Gallo did wish cancer on him when the, Edit the re-edited version of Brown Bunny came out. Roger Ebert printed a new review in which yeah. he said this version of Brown Bunny is actually very good. Huh. And though he wished me cancer, I say to him, "Good job, Mr. Yeah. Gallo." And then Vincent Gallo publicly apologized, but only after he got the positive review of the movie. Yeah, by right, the way, right, right. yeah, look, look, look up the feud. It's 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 some vicious, uncalled for dunking, but it's it's very like, ooh, I don't like that, but damn, that's good. Um, yeah. I mean, this is also a guy who wrote, directed, produced, scored, starred in a movie called Promises Written in Water. Like that's his third film. Showed it once at Cannes, was it? And then never showed it. He's locked in a vault and refuses to show it to yeah. anybody. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So, okay, let's get back to this actual Should film. Let's just talk about Vincent Gallo. Movies? Yeah, let's, 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 yeah, let's, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just, this is actually secretly our Vincent Gallo podcast. So here is the plot summary on IMDb. It is so thorough and I can't even put it better. Are you ready? Here we go. Do it. Two American newlyweds in Paris experience a love so strong it almost devours them. What, that's it. What more do we need to say? <laughs> that's the fucking summary. Oh, Jesus. Um, so this is a film that um, is, uh, it is kind of hard to explain because not everything in it is easily explained. Uh, we know that there 
is a woman who is now is she a cannibal? I mean, is she's not a vampire? No, she. I think she coming back to this movie. It's like how literal it is surprised me because I remembered it sure. being like that where I came away and I wanted it to be a vampire film. So that's how I kind of talked about it. But watching it this time, I was like, oh, it's really like it's all there. Like it really is. It's very mapped out of the sort of. Yeah, the biochemistry of but it and the trying human well, testing. Well, yeah, they never say exactly what happened to her. Well, they kind to, to, they kind of do. They suggest it, right? Right? I didn't think they said it literally, though. Do they, they say they went like he went? There's a one very awkward scene where he's talking to the. I mean, we do. Do we do full spoilers? I don't know. Wait. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's right. Where he's talking to um, the lady at the lab, um, the elder one, and she's telling yeah like he used to work with them and then they came across this thing that they thought because i've actually freeze framed um i've got written down what they thought it was going to cure somewhere down here but yeah then he um started he pushed gallo pushed for human testing and she was one of the people that did human Uh, testing and the pills that he's taking are presumably he's started on the road that she's just ended essentially right that that is that is what i uh I sort of put that together, but I didn't know if they had literally said what had happened or not. But the the you know, s- sorry for those of you who maybe haven't seen the movie. Whatever spoilers, it is what it is. I don't think that spoiled the movie. I'm going to be honest. No, no, like mo- no. Yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about anything that actually happened in the movie. Yeah. So suffice it to say, she is at a point where her uh, lover keeps her locked up, or else she will find, apparently mostly men, maybe others as well, seduce them. And then while they are being intimate, she will attack them and bite them and uh, not consume them entirely, but at least bite them until they are dead. Uh, and so she's kept locked up. And Vincent Gallo is supposedly on his honeymoon, but he's really there to find her. Yes. Um, and the honeymoon is just part of that. Now, what part of what it, it isn't clear to me is um, how far along he is in, in, in a similar process, only because... And, Al, I'd like to hear your take on this because we already talked about this a little bit, um, but and I'd like to record all of our conversation about it. Has he attacked his his new wife or not? Because she has that bite. She has mark. a bite mark on her arm. Yeah, and I I always I I'm never quite sure if that's supposed to suggest that he has at least once bitten her or if that's just coincidental or what. Yeah, I actually I mean I think 100, percent and I think it's one of the failings of the movie. Um, is that I think his wife is, for me, the most fascinating character here. Um, and you right, end exactly. on her. And you definitely get that she has an insight into the things that are happening, but doesn't know all of it. Um, and she's kind of... And her interest... I'm fascinated in love stories where, you know, you're staying with someone to your own detriment, essentially. And that's definitely what she's, you know, choosing to do at the end of this. And we could definitely talk about that last shot and what it might mean and what it doesn't. But, yeah, I think he's 100% bitten her. Um, I wish we had more with her conflict rather than just standing in the rain or waiting around for him. But I I agree. I actually think that their relationship, it, the first time I watched the film, I thought she was unaware of any of it. That, that basically my first interpretation, I didn't quite pick up all of the cues that were there that he is dealing with exactly the same thing. So I wasn't sure if he was dealing with it or if somehow... Uh, it was like a new experience for him, but then that didn't quite make sense because he's only with the other woman very briefly. Um, it was only when I watched it again, which was almost immediately the first time I saw this movie because I just was like, what is going on? I'd never seen anything <laughs> like it. So let, let's pull back a little bit for folks. This is not a movie that uh, plays 
in the tropes of what I expect from a horror film. That no. if it wasn't for the subject matter, which is straight up a form of cannibalism or at least violent outbreak of some kind, um, I would have thought of it as more of an art film. It, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like uh, meditative shots, stilted conversation, atmospheric things going on, but still with this underlying sense of menace that things are about to pour over into things going wrong. And then the scene where we see her, we, we see the evidence of her having attacked people throughout the film, but the scene where we finally see her attack someone is, fucking is one of the most upsetting things I've seen in a movie. I didn't like that. I didn't like it. Ever. Not because it wasn't done well, but because of how it made me feel. It, it, it was so upsetting and so... I, I Unsettling is the best way to put it because it wasn't like... When you think of like... You think of like, for lack of a better description, when you think of like cannibalism, it's 2019, we're going to think of like zombies or, you know, the infected or whatever. You think of these vicious like biting where they're like, you know, they're like attacking people. This was like, she was like, she would like bite and bite and bite and bite hard and then like laugh and like lick the wounds and bite some more. And there was, I don't know, it was almost like what... This is going to sound very specific and very weird. It's almost like what you're afraid of a monster is going to do to you in a nightmare. Not eat you, but like take you apart with their mouths, which is what she does. She's not consuming these men, I don't think, but she's killing them with her mouth. And the way she does it is not just these vicious chomps where she's like pulling flesh out, but it's just these like actual human bites. And to me, it looked almost like they had filmed a woman biting someone to death. Right. You know, it was like, there was something nightmarish about it, but at the same time, you're like, that's not very nightmarish at all. It's actually, like, quite realistic. Like, it's like how you see, like, when you hear about these serial, like, when fucking Ted Bundy was like, they found bite marks on the victim. Like, I imagine that's how he was doing it, if that makes any sense. Huh, I don't know. Like, there was just something, like, weird about it. Like, there was this, uh, this, like, weird feral joy in what she was doing contrasted with the obvious pain that this guy's going through she's like biting him and there's fucking blood everywhere and it, it, it's i don't know it, it, it like when i say it, it when i say i didn't like it and it went on for too long i don't mean it was like uh, i just didn't like it it was fucking they just went it kept going it was like Jesus Christ, they're still doing this. Oh my God, I'm going to fucking vomit. It's just. But that's the point, isn't it? You shouldn't like it. That, like, yeah, it's exactly. like it frustrates yeah, that's, me that's, when that's, people watch a horror film and they're like, oh, it made me uncomfortable. It's like, good, it fucking should make you uncomfortable. Exactly. Right, that's, what, exactly. That, that's, that's what I'm saying is it's like this movie set out what it accomplished to do and that was make you uncomfortable. So, like, it wasn't like I walked away like, man, I had I wish I had watched that. I was like, that is exactly what I wanted to feel when I watched this movie. Um, but it, it almost reminded me of, and I don't know if it was because a lot of like the kind of graphic sex scenes. It almost gave me vibes of like um, "Don't Look Now," and where there's a couple that's dealing with some kind of traumatic thing in like a European city, and that traumatic thing is always like just under the surface, and then there's some like weird shit going on in the background, and it all culminates in something horrible happening. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can hear Liam's <laughs> daughter. Can hear in the my daughter in the back. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I was I was definitely like watching this, getting some more like darker, more visceral. Uh, don't look now vibes from this movie. Al, what were you going to say? It sounded like you were about to say something. No, I was just going to, I mean, sort of connected, but I, I've, it's what I really love about this movie 
it's 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 you know it's talking about um obsession and addiction and again right. like the yeah. lengths that the people because of the thin line between love sex and violence um what that will do to a person and how you will stay with people you know at, in both of these two relationships we have like and one of my favorite scenes that illustrates that is the scene where you see vincent gallo walk in we've just had this very long lingering pan up his naked wife um in the bath and then he's just yes. like staring down at her creepily um and then he asks her if she's scared and then we cut almost directly from that to the doctor um who's looking after the the cannibalistic girl and she's covered in blood from a murder she's just done he's buried that body for her and he's just very delicately sponging her down and like getting that blood off of her right. naked body and it's these two parallels of how these relationships can be where they're both dealing with one person who's has this addiction that controls their life and then how the other person tries to fit into that world you know that dynamic it is it, it's funny because in a way you could think of it as quote unquote a metaphor for addiction but what's interesting is that as you sort of put it so much of the movie is on the surface that as much as it isn't a movie in which uh, we're dealing with literal drug addiction, it's so on the surface and so directly a movie about addiction, it's weird to refer to it as metaphorical or, you know what I yeah. mean? Like Yeah, because it's like, yeah, there is the metaphor, like you could say it's a metaphor for addiction, but then I think the fact that he's taking these fucking pills, excuse my language, is... She doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> is the fact that there are there's the taking of the pills involved it it it's like this isn't just a metaphor for addiction. But I think that's what's interesting you know what I mean? about it. It's just it's not just about the people who are yeah literally addicted. It's about the other people in the relationship right. who are addicted to the love, you know, the sex, like the whatever it is, the violence that they're getting from that relationship. Well, and and I think that's what I agree with you. Not not to just focus on a criticism, but I think it's a fair criticism that I wish we did get more from Vincent Gallo's new wife in the film, because uh, we see the doctor. The doctor. There's a feeling for me for this doctor that he's been doing this now long enough that he to give up, to move on would be to admit defeat. Yes. He's gonna figure it out. He's gonna fix this situation. He's gonna turn this person around that he loves so much. There's a logic to that that I get, and not that it makes it clear, quote unquote, but it's more re- relatable in a way. I understand it. Why is this, even though she maybe doesn't understand the full scope of what's going on with Vincent Gallo, she certainly hasn't watched him, for example, eat someone, per se. Uh, she knows something's wrong. She, From the beginning, it's like she is trying to assert normalcy over a person who there is almost no scene in this film where Vincent Gallo doesn't look like he's about to give up. Yeah, like he's always just at the on the verge of things going horribly wrong. So why is she in it? I would just like to see more of her and more of how she's relating to, even if she only sees a piece of it, the piece that something is not right. Um, and there's just not that, not as much of there there of that as I would like, which doesn't make it a bad movie. But it's just the one place where I was like, I'd like to see more of that if I could. I can I can dig I can dig that. Justin, you were I mean you've already said a little bit, but as a person who you were new to this movie new to this director and i think new to like this i mean i don't know how much of a genre this idea of the french extremity is i think it's just a term I'm that got really people to it. like click yeah yeah oh there's a bunch of crazy new I, european I, films I, mean, I think that's sort of a construct in a way yeah but i do think this movie is maybe a little bit outside of 
some of the things you, you I think watch a, a lot. I How think, did you feel about it? In I, that I sense? think it, I think it, there's a little more nuance to it than what I think of when I think of like French extreme. Like there's. Okay. Like I just went off in this tangent about how like disturbing it was this woman seeing this woman like bite this guy to death, but it wasn't like uh, like a <laughs> it was like that was like a sick kill wasn't it like it was like very well done and it was done in a way that like it's more unsettling than watching someone get like hit in the head with a hammer or something like that. What uh, this movie had a lot of I don't know how to how to, how to how to explain this. Um, there was uh, there was the one scene that 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 struck me in a way that I thought was like beautiful in a way was the scene when Vincent Gallo first see I, not first sees her when he sees her again when she's coming down the stairs and she's like backlit by the window she's covered in blood and he's like kind of sort of standing in the shadows and just the look on his face when he sees her is so like it's this mix of like oh my God, like, what am I looking at? And at the same time, like, it's almost, like, rapturous. And I just think that's, like, it's a rare thing when when a shot captures feelings as subtle as that. And I think this movie sure. does that a lot with these feelings, where it's, uh, there's a lot of scenes where his wife, it's, like, you get a feeling that she's, like, I'm, like, mortally terrified of something I don't understand about my husband, but he's my husband, so I love him. And those two things are existing in the same space at the same time. And I think that's really hard to get across, but I think she does it. And I think this movie is all about that. And I just really appreciate that. Like, I, I, I mean, if you took the cannibalism out of this movie, it couldn't, I don't think it could probably be called a horror movie. But nonetheless, it's still, I don't know. It was just, there, there's, there, there's something that on a level outside of like gore and blood and murder and all that, this movie is still horrific in the sense that, like, she lives with this guy and she's in love with him and she's willing to stay with him, but I don't think she really, like, knows him, if that makes any sense. I just want to say real quick, I think that Vincent Gallo is a naturally intense person, for better or for worse, as we just said, he has a tendency to kind of, like, push boundaries. Sure. But I think it's sort of like in this movie, he puts a kind of yoke around that insanity and that intensity, and he makes it work. So, right. I, I, yeah. I mean, just to go with what you're saying, Justin... Um I'm, I'm actually, I do actually feel this is part of New French Extremity, which it, I know it's like a terminology not everyone's happy with, but it was expressive of a time in France where certain things were happening to politics. And I think exactly what you're right. saying and to do with taking out the violence. Yeah, it's just an art house French film, but it's a suffocating mood to it. Um, yes. yes. And yes. that's something that a lot of, you know, for instance, Irreversible is New French Extremity, you know. Um, but, uh, but also, yeah, like bigger films, more violent films like Inside and Martyrs and High Tension and stuff like that. But the original ones, like Man Bites Dogs, this, Irreversible, and the writer of this um, did Polar X, which can be seen as that as well. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And now, yeah, you have, like, new, new French extremity with, with like, raw uh, love. And I know some people are considering revenge as well, which I don't, personally. But I feel it falls perfectly into those places exactly because of that. Like, this is a drama that has a suffocating mood that might make it horror or feel horrific even without the gore. But then when they do go to gore yeah the french really fucking go <laughs> like they don't want to make you feel comfortable yes. and yes. for me the best example of that is actually the last like right near the end when gallo finally does turn like that oh my god scene is Ooh. is so fantastic because it's it's unlike the earlier scene where it is horrific you know and we have this very for me it made me uncomfortable because you have this boy who's so desperate for sex that he's literally ripping down yes. boards and then becomes devoured by his own like want for sex, basically. Um, and then at the end, you got Gallo, 
And it's it's like this maid who I was very worried they weren't going to come back to because they've been like including her and then they forget about her for a long period of time. And then they come back and it's this wonderful ending where you have this almost dance of control between the two of them where it's very it's very erotic like it's they're both trying to be dominant which i love yeah and then he becomes assertively far more dominant and then yeah literally devours her sex which is you know terrifying um but it's just shot so beautifully and so honestly and it's not just one note you know it's a very complicated scene um and i actually as someone who loves you know obviously buffy 66 and i'm actually a big brown bunny apologist i love vincent gallo in half of this and half of it, I have to say, he doesn't work for me. But the reason why he doesn't work for me in half of it is because I feel he's being Gallo. And not everybody else <laughs> in this film acts the way people do in Gallo films. Right. So there's certain scenes where I'm just like, well, you're kind of giving nothing, which is what Gallo does very, very well. Uh, so it seems human while other people are acting. And uh, that's not to say it's bad. It's just it's a different talent to kind of give nothing and act than it is to act a scene, you know? And I mean, I think he works for this role, but I think it's hard to, to me, the most amazing person here is the, the woman who is full on dangerous, the, the cannibal for me, her performance is, uh, is, is the most amazing thing in the film and just carries it in a way. Um, if you are someone for whom, um, for whom a more intense and a less cartoony violence is not for you. You Don't would watch rather. This, movie. this is not. This is not a movie yeah. to watch. This is for those of you who. Uh, how did how did my friend TC put it? The films we love do not love they, us back. They don't love us back. Uh, that is this movie. This movie does not care for your sentimentality or 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 um, softness. Or you it is, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is here to to show you something truly intense and extreme and, and i love it for that but it is it is a hard watch i've now seen it four times and here it is time number four still messing me up still <laughs> messing me up so uh uh thanks al for being on i'm gonna jump off you guys can wrap up um but i love starfish everyone just do starfish make sure to tell everyone how to keep up with you and, and your stuff and uh i love you too justin thanks, all right that's all right. that uh, said so that it does have a puppy in it so it does have a puppy that he's so nice yeah, to yeah yeah um so anything else to say about this movie? I mean, I guess, because I haven't really said whether I liked it or not this time. Like, I I think this film is in three parts. There's like a beautiful, interesting French art horror film, which I really, really love. And in the first half an hour, that's prevalent. That's my favorite bit of the film um, as a whole. And then there's a boring medical thriller that I don't give a shit about, to be honest. Like, all <laughs> of that stuff is just like, it's just that it really got in the way of the personality of the film for me. And then yeah. the last third of this film really seems to be just a deconstruction of Vincent Gallo's psych psyche. Like it, it honestly seems like, was this film just invented for you to just figure yourself out? Because it seems just like <laughs> he's working through some shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I will say that the, um, the sort of weird, when he goes to the uh, when he goes to the doctor, he's like, "I need all the notes from like this doctor and all that." That was like the weakest part of the movie because I felt that it was a little yeah, man. It's uh, it's not even shot well. It looks like it's low no. grade digital. It's weird. It's not, but it like that 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 was the scene where the, the, the one part the, the one part with the dialogue that didn't work for me at all was when they're like, "Are you feeling okay?" And he's like, "No." And they're like, "Would you like a glass of water?" And he's like. Yeah, and I'm like, why are we why are we watching yeah. this? Why do we need to see Vincent Gallo like request a glass? Like that doesn't or just keep faxing someone, of, you know? It's like exactly, yeah. Like like it would be better if if this whole medical weird experiment stuff was just left unexplained. Because yep. I think you know, whenever there's stuff like that, like the details, like the technical details, 
they only they only ever bring it down. Like anytime you over explain something, they only it it only ever I agree weakens. I always it. feel that way and stuff. Yeah, which is why my film right. make, explains nothing. <laughs> oh no, that's again that's what I've said. If if you want a movie that's gonna hold your hand and explain everything, to you like don't yeah. you're not gonna get that. So yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so that was uh, that was trouble every day. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Al, for being with us. Um, we've been trying to figure this out for a minute now. Like Liam and I have been kicking it around, like how are we going to get out? What are we going to work on here? Um, we would love to have you back on. I know you 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 would wanted to do. Um, you had mentioned doing Dead Birds. I would love to do an episode on Dead Birds yeah. and have you come on talk about that. That was a movie I saw in college. That was one of my like. Hey, we should watch Dead Birds again. The movie that no, we're so cool because no one's ever heard of this movie, and <laughs> and now no one's really you heard know, of this movie because it's so fucking. I old. know it sucks. <laughs> I mean, the movie itself doesn't suck. It sucks that that movie doesn't get much yeah. credit. But no, I mean, I'd um, love to. I'd really want to do Cold yeah. Prey as well because I know you haven't seen that. So. Absolutely, yeah. Liam and I were talking about that actually having 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 you on to do that. So uh, if people want to know more about you um like your your work and all that where where could they find that at um i mean they can follow me on any social medias i'm mr al white on everything as well as on xbox um but yeah starfish mixtape is where you can learn everything about the film and where it's playing and how to support us if you want to support us and we are geeks is our podcast so yeah they're the three places excellent as always you can find us at www.cinepunks.com there are episodes of this show and several other great shows on there um there's information on how to subscribe to our patreon uh, go to iTunes, uh, rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. And like always, if you leave us a five-star review, we'll read it on the show. Um, and I don't know, we'll probably send you something nice, so get at us about that. Thanks always to our Patreon subscribers. And as always, thank you for listening. And I keep saying it, Al, thank you for being on the oh, show. Thank you, guys, seriously. All right, until next time, take care and fuck Victor Salva.